Hello, and welcome to Boo Covery, where East meets West as we learn from Buddhist psychology how to deal with mental health and health issues. And now your host, Tyler Woods. Hi, this is Tyler Woods, and welcome to another podcast from Boo Covery. You know, you can visit uh, Boo Covery at BooCovery.com. This is where Eastern meets Western psychology, and uh, and uh, I'm today... You know, I had a conversation with a Buddhist teacher of mine, and and um, we have been embroaching the topic of ego, and it's something that I don't talk a lot about um, because I I get that people get upset when we talk about easy, and as I learn more and more about how ego affects us in our daily life. Um, I've been uh, noticing ego much more lately, and my Buddhist teacher has said to me that there was a conversation at the table recently where um, they were playing a game, her and her so- her and some of her friends, and they this conversation started at this table, and and a topic came up that she knew a little bit about, and she had stated she had a lot to contribute to this conversation. But she said she sat and observed because she didn't want her ego to get involved. So she sat in silence and just listened. And I thought about that. Well, why didn't she speak up? Why didn't she use her skills to talk about that in the topic? And I think, you know, she had a point that um, when we get into arguments or big debates about certain topics, that it's our ego. And, but I had to think about that. And um, like in debates, it's often I'm right and you're wrong. Um, sometimes debates can be helpful, but when debates get ego-based, um, it can cause conflict. But it, it took me days to let that sink in, and then I started to get it. It was like this big light going off. And I realized how much work I personally have to do on ego. Um, And I experienced a really good example the next day when I posted on social media that I was a little unhappy about a certain medical institute. and, And I gently complained about it. And after reading a few of the comments, I realized that Public complaining is ego in action. And here's the thing. See, I got it. And it took me posting on social media to let the light go on. See, when you complain on social media, it's about ego. And I made that post, and the next morning I was looking at um, the comments. And I realized by complaining on social media my ego puts itself in a position of needing to be validated. Like I said, oh, this place is uh, makes you wait, and I don't like it, and blah, 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 the administration. and But I didn't need validation publicly. My ego did. You know, I could have gotten that with talking to a single teacher or a healer or my partner or just a friend. I didn't have to go in public and seek out validation. That was ego. And it was not very mindful of me. 
and it was me holding on to my suffering. And I took the post down and apologized and stated, I apologize for my ego getting in my way. And it's interesting, but nobody wants to see public complaining as ego. However, when you complain and you do it to get people to side with you, if you just want to release it, you can meditate or talk to a friend or write it down or just let it go. But ego loves an audience. And we all have complaints. Every day we can complain about something. And if the complaint has merit, why would you voluntarily repeat something that brings you down and creates suffering? And I have to tell you, it was an incredible lesson for me. See, ego keeps coming up for me. And it reminds me that I'm a human being that is constantly learning about the aspects of Buddhism. And I get that one of my primary goals of therapy is to help clients develop a healthy ego and guide them to overcome their defenses and unhealthy clinging to their solid sense of self. And that's ego. And it really is a journey that has to be practiced. I love it when people say, I don't have an ego. Please, we all have ego. Everything we are and everything we identify with is forms of our ego, our nationality, our name, our membership, or different groups, our beliefs. So all of these are forms of our identity, and we accumulate all this information through our memory and turn this into our self, our sense of self. However, Buddha tells us that mm, we should think about that. Here's the thing. The, the ego is not innocent. In fact, I think ego would say, I have your best interest in mind. But the truth is, it wants validation and attention. And believe me, it has a grip around us. However, in Buddhism and Buddhist psychology, we need to teach it to be gentle and kind of loosen up the reins that it has on us because it can bind us and then it blinds us. Here's the problem. We become attached to our ego without even knowing it. We don't do it on purpose. You know, here's another good example. 33 and a half years ago, um, I walked into AA and I was in there for a year and got my one-year chip. And I had such pride when uh, I was handed the chip and went an entire year without drinking. And I was thinking, what a feat that is. And, and so I took my chip and gave a little speech about gratitude and how I was very grateful for my sobriety. Now, after you get your chip, people speak out about your progress. And one lady clapped her hands and she said she hopes one day my sobriety will outgrow my ego. Oh, my. I was offended as she spoke about it and spoke about how ego gets in the way. And she said, I'm surprised you can fit both you and your ego through these doors. Ha! Huh. Clearly, I was offended by her lack of compassion. And as the years went by, her words continued to echo through my mind. 
And 33 and a half years later, I'm still sober, and I fully now understand what she meant and how I wish I could run into her and thank her for the words that she's told me that hurt me so bad. Her words didn't hurt me. It hurt my ego. And I understood when I desire alcohol, it's my ego talking. Now, I did AA for 10 years, three days a week. Um, But then I realized just doing AA alone didn't help me tame my ego. And so I realized that I needed something better than that. So people who practice Buddhism kept coming up in my life at the time. And I realized that I was suffering. And I was suffering not just from the attachment of alcohol, And I started learning that instead of one day at a time, I needed to do one breath at a time and meditate and learn. And that was the beginning of discovering not only Buddhism, but how ego interrupts my life over and over. I think it's important to realize Buddhist psychology, uh, in Buddhist psychology, that ego doesn't completely go away. Rather, We need to recognize the darker side of our ego. And when I begin to look at my own ego, I become a better psychotherapist in working with people. When we look at ego and the mental and emotional side, um, it allows us, I think, um, the opportunity to meet and greet ego. And I think we have such a taboo around ego, like, oh, they're so egotistical and he's all ego. But I don't think we understand ego. And we need to gain an understanding of it. Then we can begin to look at our behaviors to see how ego interferes with it. And we get to begin to change things that created our pain and the things that were difficult for us in our lives. There's so many misunderstandings of ego, and I think if we take a more modern-day approach to ego, clearly we would understand it much better. Ego, I think we do need a degree of it, um, as Freud said, but this is where Freud meets Buddha, and and so there's that in-between. And I hope that this kind of helps understand ego a little bit more, because Um, I think ego is vital for us to meet and greet and then begin to understand our ego and then make the changes that we need. I hope this helps a little bit. And for now, my name is Tyler Wood saying, walk in peace.